coming up on Just Elders Podcast. Because one thing about me right now, I'm in this real space where I'm in love with black men on a whole other level. So how we do this, y'all? Because this is a conversation that's uh, never gonna end. Niggas fucked up. For example, a lot of the young men who I engage with in their 20s who are first-time dads or first-time marriages and such, they move too much in their emotion in resolving problems versus thinking through and doing what's practical and best. Because I, I see something missing in the in the equation. Um, and I think I said this at, at, at Black Man's Lab and people didn't like it too much. Don't say it on here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let them hold you back. Speak it. Speak it. But I got mothers that are faithful fans of power, but they crying about their sons in the streets. Yeah. You can't fucking kill what you glorify. And then and Carter Carter B and all of them tell you I can get you better than you. I'm boom boom boom. I didn't cut our relationship off. She's my daughter, right? Right. So I would call her to talk to her. So I kept calling her and I kept calling and talking to her. So finally, she broke down one day, like three, four, five, six months into the relationship. And she started crying on the phone. And she told me that he was abusing her. And uh, there are certain knowledge and skill sets that you need to even be prepared to be in the war. Mm -hmm. Because one of them is to let go of the damn victim mentality. Too many niggas operating out here as victims, talking about what's happening to me versus what the hell am I making happen. It was brought to light that I wasn't his biological father. He, like one thing I can say, I ain't never smoked before. Okay. They used to always push me to smoke. They were like, yeah. put, put the blunt in my face, put the blunt in my face, nah, put the blunt in my face, nah, put the blunt in my face, nah. Then drinking, drink this drink, oh. nah, drink this drink, nah, drink this drink, nah. Yeah. And then one day she put a pussy in my face, and I couldn't say no. Ready, born ready. What's up family, it's your boy Eldridge And you are tuning to the Just Eldridge Podcast The greatest podcast to ever hit the airways We're back for another fantastic Tuesday As always, I would like to start by thanking everybody that tuned in to last week's episode the first volume of Sisters Got Something to Say. We got a lot of great feedback. Appreciate all the sisters that came on and told their truth or lies. There's a lot of that going on, but it was still a good episode. Um, thank you for all the reviews for the new people that came in. And today is, we're recording on Sunday, but we're releasing this on October 22nd, 2019. So I want to give a big shout out and happy birthday to my little sister, Winnie. Oh my God. <laughs> Winnie, happy birthday. She listening to this right now. All the way in Shanghai, China. Shout out to you, little sis. Happy birthday. And uh, my brother's birthday is on the 25th. Nick, and happy birthday to him, too. Early birthday. So. 
It's October. Everybody's birthdays in October. My family sing like my nephew, my aunties, and uncle. So I definitely want to do that shout out. But uh, Keith, how you feeling, brother? We good, man. We good. We got any reviews? I know you want to do. I know you all would like give shout out to people reviews. Hey man, pick up the phone, man. I just got done listening to the latest episode with the pussy song. Hey, bro, you shit, man. Hey, that shit hard as hell. You know, but I'm gonna be honest though. I don't, I don't think some of the women on there was being honest. They was be they they was dancing around the questions a little bit. But you nailed it down though. I like I like it. Hit me back though. Um, shout out to all the people that gave reviews. I know it was a few new ones. We'll read them out next week. We'll catch y'all up. But let me introduce my guest. I'm excited about this today. Today, first thing I'm going to bring to the mic uh, is a brother. He's not new to the Just Elder podcast. Uh, he actually came on on episode, I want to say, four. Elders don't run that race. Um, join me. Give a round of applause to my friend, my brother, Mr. Frederick Parham. Well, uh, good to be back in the house, man. Uh, you good brother, Keith. And at Fort Valley, it was Clark Atlanta homecoming too this weekend, man. Just FYI, right here in the city. Okay. I always know it's homecoming because everybody is living a lit life on social media. Oh, yeah. You know, normally social media be uh, some folk cool, but everybody cool during homecoming. Homecoming, yeah. (laughs) I'm talking about everybody at an event. So, Parham, how you feeling, man? Man, I'm good, man. You know, kind of my always my eyes focus is uh, on how my young people doing, my children. And so uh, they're good. Uh, I'm good. Wish I could get back in the pool a little bit more, though, bro. Hey Brian, you uh you recently almost got the hooking. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you break that up. <laughs> yeah, man, you know going one hundred for my son out there, man. Thought I was gonna have to end up, uh, you know, kicked out the park. <laughs> hey, hey, look, I'm, I always Parham invite me to go on every trip. I'm glad I ain't going this one. <laughs> Based off that story, we probably would have been like, that's why it's almost like carrying a gun. I always say like, man, if you if you if you don't have a gun, it ends right there. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like right. whatever gonna happen, it just <laughs> ends. <laughs> like, <laughs> but if you have a gun, there's a new level to go, go to. to. <laughs> just yes, as soon as you put a gun out, so in that situation, I would have been your gun. <laughs> right. <laughs> that would have been a new level to go to. <laughs> It brought me to talk crazy to my nephew <laughs> And I was there So I'm glad I didn't come <laughs> Next to the mic um, New to the Just Elders podcast This young brother I call him um, One of my young wolves uh, Last year I said I just wanted to find some young brothers Not too far me in age A little bit younger But who were hungry And who could run with me Because a lot of times I'm just running I'm doing a lot and I can't do everything, but I be needing that young energy to keep me even younger because, you know, I be hanging around the old men and stuff. <laughs> so, so I had to make sure I put some young wolves around me. Started out with five and, um, you know, it's a process of elimination. You got to be hard and you got to put them through the rice of past fire. And this young brother has stood strong. So, ladies and gentlemen, join me giving a round of applause to the young wolf, Brother Armand. Peace and blessings, blessings and peace. How you feeling, young brother? Yeah, man, it's an honor to be amongst you guys, though. You know, this is like being at the barber shop 
I'm about to put what they call old folks. You said gonna put some meat on your head. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a good conversation. I need it. Lord knows I do. <laughs> we gonna we gonna talk. <laughs> uh, last but not least, with this guest, I can officially say I'm official. Cause you know it's it's levels to this thing. You know, you can have like it's people that are just busy. It's people that are, you know, their opinions. And that thought process is very vital and important in your life. And, you know, when this brother agreed to come on, he was actually going out of town today. I think he changed plans for your boy. So that's a big deal. So um, this brother, if you are listening to WALK, you are no good. <laughs> you are no stranger to this voice. <laughs> Matter of fact, I always say he actually has a so on WALK and everybody else is his co-host. <laughs> so join me, give a round of applause to my baba, my mentor, my big brother, Brother Jihad. Hey, what's up, what's up? <laughs> brother Jihad, how you feeling, man? I'm great, I'm great. It's a pleasure to be with you all, uh, especially you and uh, Fred and Brother Ahmad and uh, uh, the other brother, uh, Keith. brother Keith, you know what I mean, and I'm honored that uh, a brother of um, my age was invited to be in such a energetic um, atmosphere. So I'm, I'm elated. Well, we need you, man. We yeah. need you for this conversation because yeah. I think it's important. Uh, I was very strategic about every person that I brought on, um, not from just their mindset, not what I love about their thought process, but even age yes. even in age I think we represent in a lot of different generations in this conversation and that's important I came in to Pharrell Pharrell is uh, on the cover of GQ magazine um, the new masculinity and you know that magazine has sparked a lot of conversation I've seen people agree with it I've seen people say oh well, this is great we're progressive and we're moving forward in society I've seen people completely shut it down, disagree with it, um, saying it's an agenda being pushed on black men. And what it caused me to do is just have a reflection and a conversation with a lot of friends. Because one thing about me right now, I'm in this real space where I'm in love with black men on a whole other level. Um, Maybe because we organized one black man lab. And even before that, because even with Let Us Make Man, so the cool thing about Parham, Jahai, y'all both members of Let Us Make Man, I think we got something on Thursday nights that no men really have access to. And that goes beyond frat, because every brother in Let Us Make Man almost is a part of some type of fraternity. fraternity. Uh, a lot of the brothers are Masons. A lot of brothers are part of a lot of clubs and organizations, but what we have in Let Us Make Man is so special. Like, I feel like I'm so honored to be in that number. You know what I mean? So I feel like the Black Man Lab was almost like a a version of that being given to the public. That's why I'm such in love with Black Man Lab. So it's just, I'm in this space where I'm talking to brothers. We holding each other accountable. We uh, lifting each other up. We pouring each other's spirits. So, that magazine, what it did for me, it just struck like the state of black men. Where are we and how do we move forward? And like I brought y'all on so we can have that conversation, not saying we are the end all be all with the answer to black men, but we all are black men. So this is a conversation that we have a very much a right to have. 
Yeah, very much the right to have. So y'all cool with having that conversation? Yes, most sir. definitely. Cool, man. So um, let's just start. Uh, and again, I just want to talk about the state of where we are in a lot of different things. And um, I'm gonna start because most of everybody on here are fathers. Uh, I want to talk start there, fatherhood, man. Um, because we are doing something on Tuesday, um, at the um, Woodruff Art Center, the uh, Tanahasi Copes, uh, between the world and me. And that book was a book about a man talking to his son about being black in America. So, like, as fathers, man, how are y'all? How are y'all feeling about just being fathers in this current state of time, knowing how your fathers raised you, and what's the difference? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I like the way you put that um, in the opening. Just that black men don't need to ask for permission. To have this conversation right. um, You know In my case My dad was a, a doer Is a doer And shower Of masculinity uh, He never really talked about What it meant to be a man uh, In fact we never had that conversation He has four boys and a daughter So But he just showed us Through you know deed and action and words And so me, my brand of fatherhood uh, in this time is more uh, balanced, try to strike a balance between both showing my son and then talking to him about what black man is and isn't black ma masculinity. So, yeah, the difference for me really is just uh, adding on to what my dad gave a strong sense of uh, your name having meaning. And uh, and then a strong sense of purpose and then being intentional, you right. know. Yeah. What about you, Brother Um How you were raised versus and I well, even at the Black Man Lab, you told a great story. Yeah. Which one? About you snitched on your mama. <laughs> I left my letter. <laughs> well, I was the uh, only son uh, out of. Uh, six siblings i had five sisters so clearly the relationship between me and my father obviously was a uh, close uh, relationship you know I mean, my father um uh what can i say was a um great man in my eyes you know what i mean you know how we look at the the uh you look at your father like is something huge right. even though he had nothing almost you know what I mean? Uh, my father was a plain con construction worker, you know, born in South Carolina, raised on a farm, married my mother, moved to Miami, and um, became a construction worker. <laughs> you know what I mean? But what my father did was uh, uh, he went to work every day, um, came home every day. Um, my father... Um, I think I was in the fourth grade, or fifth grade, and um, my father and my mother had a very, uh, what do you call it, shaky relationship. You know I mean, my mother's beautiful. I don't know, if I ever showed you a picture of my mother, she was beautiful. And my father wasn't a bad looking dude himself, but he was a little jealous, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And um, that jealousy moved into being possessive. You know what I mean, and and on top of that, my father began to to um, drink, and uh, was really what you call a functioning al alcoholic. 
but became very abusive with my mother on the weekends. You know what I mean? But in spite of that, he was my father. You know what I mean? He was, she was dad to me. You know what I mean? I'm only, like I said, in the fourth, fifth grade. And, um, you know, we went everywhere together. We didn't have a car. So me and him would walk all over Miami, Third Avenue, Overtown, you know what I mean? All in that district. Uh, Barber shops, five o'clock in the morning, six o'clock, me and him headed to the barber shop. He was, he was, you know, he was, he was my man, you know what I mean? So, you know, um, I basically um, uh, took the good of my father mm-hmm. and attempted to implement the good. Uh, because of my father, I never drank in my life. I think I had a Colt 45 before, <laughs> you know, and I was playing basketball at the park and just had to cool off. <laughs> That's what we drink. <laughs> That's how we stay quenched. Yeah. That's how we play. You know what I mean? But you know, the, the bottom line is uh, um, my experience um, uh, also in, in, uh, with my father inspired me to be a better father and the best father I could be. Nice. Um, Keith, what about you? Because I've got a privilege of just watching Keith as a father, man, and I love this brother, how he interacts. What about you, your fatherhood, what you learned from your father versus how you how you feel like you are a father? And I keep looking at me like, damn, I wasn't trying to be on the mic. But you on the mic. Yeah, we got to have a conversation. I'm just saying. Um, I mean, I actually think my dad is pretty cool, man. Uh, the only difference is my dad didn't. Um, my dad didn't have all the resources that I feel like. I want to I'm going to have for my kids like my dad was just he's just a simple cat right and I I I respect him for raising me the way he did and when he did because my mom messed up and she lost custody of us so my dad had to get custody and like in one year my dad went from being a banker to a manager of the Piccadilly so like that's I always knew my dad could do it but he was just simple he was just like I don't need to be the manager like <laughs> I just get my kids in the summer and the weekends he got us he became the manager gave himself the guy stopped drinking like my dad did a whole turnaround so I respect that but he still didn't he was still so stuck in the old ways he was always like get a job get a job get a job go to school and as he started learning about business he taught me about business so now that's why I got the bug but he still doesn't understand it you know what I mean but the only difference is just the resource part man my dad he's a loving cat man my dad like so forgiving I I recently found out he was paying child support when he had us during the summer times like when he got custody of us he was paying child support for a whole two years like they were just taking it out of his check and he was just hey I'll get it back you know I'll I, you know, I'm just like, <laughs> just because he's he's a he's a, he's a true Christian man. He just believes that, you know, do right comes back, and then what happened? They came back. Like they gave his money back. He, right. he got my mom, and you know, just years what later. You saw, you so, man, what about your parents' skills? You feel like you got from your father? Man, just being there, man. Just psh, my dad is there for us, and I'm there for my kids. But my my dad. He's like he's he's Daniel like my homie. You know what I mean? He was my parent when he was supposed to be my parent. And when I became a man, we became friends. So I'm doing my kids the same way. We I'm parenting them now. I'm not your friend. But once they become of age, can't wait. You know, because now that we're all adults, 
My dad would flat out tell us, like, we all had different conversations with him. He's like, you know, talks to my daughter. He talks to his daughter about one thing. He talks to me about one thing. Talk to my brother about another thing. We all just grown now, you know. I mean, he never lied. That's one thing. My dad never lied to us. I never lied to my kids. If he didn't have the money, look, you can't get Jordans because I don't have it. He, he, You know, some parents kind of. Try to yeah. maybe next nah, week. Nah, uh-uh, my dad. Nah, <laughs> yeah, straight A's. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you go and they think you can't reach. <laughs> and then when you hit it, parents. <laughs> and then you hit, you hit it. And like, so uh, where where my Jordan? Exactly. So now, nah, yeah, I was off that. What about you, Armand? You know, um, we seen you be a father for, and uh, we'll just talk about your parenting. What made you be so loving? What made me so loving? Um, I guess would be. And how old were you when you had your son? Okay, so he was born when I was twenty three. I was twenty three, turning twenty four. He t- he was born April twelfth of twenty eighteen. I was twenty three at the time, and I turned twenty four on April twenty first. Mm. And I'm now twenty five. Okay. So how about well, your father versus you as a father? <laughs> it's funny you ask that. Uh. A lot of who I was as a father came from watching my father. So being affectionate, uh, being just showering him, showering him with love. And, and you know, because he's still an infant, so certain lessons and values, I, I'm, I wasn't in a place to instill. You get what I'm saying? Like, I, I didn't have to do that just then. All I had to do was bathe him. <laughs> you know, just and take care of them. So my, my my duties, though they were plentiful, they were minimal on a grand scale. And uh, in comparison, like I said, I, I that's that's all it was. I just knew how I knew how important that was to me because though my mother was my primary caregiver, I grew up in a single parent household. My parents weren't together during my upbringing. Though my father was around, he wasn't as uh he wasn't as present as he should have been. But during the times in which he was present, he instilled a lot of morals values codes and ethics within me that made me the gentleman for whom i am that's what's up man uh i mean i I can even speak about my father uh it's crazy because parham have met my dad since me and my dad are friends like parham seen the adult relationship between me and my dad talk to your dad this morning yeah (laughs) so, so, so it's like you know but my dad my dad has heavily, because I'm not a father, I don't have any kids, but the I've had experience with fatherhood in relationships I've been in. Um, my last two relationships, that was the first time I ever tried to be really just embraced in a child's life. And my parenting style comes from my father, great provider, but workaholic. Like, we laugh about stuff. We be like, oh, y'all remember? Oh, y'all remember? Then my dad be like, damn, like, when did that happen? We like, he like, where was I? And I'm like, well, you was at work. Like that's like the that's the going joke with my dad. He wasn't there, so for me, I I gotta be there. And another thing my dad did, I felt like one thing he did was, I feel like he missed the mark on like really paying attention to like your child's talent and skill sets, in the sense of like I watched Parham with his own kids like. 
tennis practice, soccer practice, football, basketball, like they just trying shit. They like, like, they like, they like, they like trying shit, trying shit, trying shit, trying shit, trying shit. Like, like I'm watching him invest in that and what and just like doing that. And then you see the fruits of it because even when his other son just got his white coat, you know what I'm saying, about to be a doctor. So you know the fatherhood is investing. You seeing that? I even seen it with uh, Keith talking to baby girl about to start her business, a lemonade stand, and all what. Like even when he got her, he she always got a book. Look, you played it. You can watch this thing, but you about to do this book first. Like I'm seeing it. My dad really wasn't there for that, and I you know I used to resent him for it because for me, all I wanted to do when I was young was take over my dad's business. Like I just thought that would have been cool as hell to just learn my dad business, take it over, but my dad didn't want me to do construction. That right. Russells, right? Yeah, like, like the my dad, like he didn't want me to do construction, and he just really wasn't. That like I would like I felt like looking back, I was like, man, if you just would have took a little bit more time to just invest in, even if it's not construction, I always had a uh, infatuation with business. Like, since I was young, I would take my dad contracts and scratch out his logo, his name, put mine in it. Like, my first contracts I ever signed were just my dad contracts remade. You know what I'm saying? Like, folk looking at my shit like I'm official. I'm like, yeah. So, like, what it did for me, it just really made me, like, I know the type of dad I want to be is investing in those 10,000 hours early with my kids. Trying to see, like, I want you to no, and I, and I tell this story. I remember, so Troy, you know, Troy, my cousin, me and Troy, that's like, my favorite cousin. We always do business together. And I remember we were always on the cutting edge of like new stuff, like business and websites and designing and branding. And this was before social media really popped off to what it is now. And I knew it was about to be big because I started watching big companies like Walmart, McDonald's. All of them start getting social media. So I was like, oh, this ain't just a kid thing. This is a business thing. So I remember I went going to my dad, convinced Troy to redo all the websites, design new cards. And I was like, yo, my dad, I'm going to get him to pay for this stuff, bro. Let's just design it. So Troy designed it. We got on the phone with my dad. And I was like, look, dad, we got a presentation for you. So he sat down for the presentation. We on the phone showing, like sharing our screen on the computer because he was out of town. So we go through the whole, me and Troy talked about charging $800, I remember. But it was a lot. We did a website, we did a business card, we was only going to charge $800. So when I got on the phone with my dad, I started feeling real confident. So dad was like, man, how much is it going to cost? And I was like, $5,000. <laughs> so instantly my cousin Troy started laughing. He started laughing, so that fucked up the sale right there. Like, your business partner, your business partner ain't even taking you serious. But then, and I remember my dad didn't do it. I remember he didn't do it. But if he would have did it at that age, and my dad used to blow money on stupid shit. Like he used to buy like a RV. Like oh, I, oh, I need this RV. Like like my dad used to, like I get that shit from my dad. I buy stupid shit like from Amazon and electronics. Like I get that from my dad. So my dad used to just waste money, and he had it. It wasn't a fact if he didn't have it. But I remember if my dad would have gave me that five thousand dollars, my confidence would have went on a whole nother level of business. Like 
I would have never charged less than $5,000 after that. Right. And at the time, I was only 17. Right. So at 17, I would have had a $5,000. And, and I can be transparent. In my adult life, I just got comfortable with charging $10,000, $20,000, $30,000. Like, being transparent with the work that I do now. So I just know the exposure. That's kind of like what I transferred when I was in my fatherhood position, always trying to invest in like, okay, what do you want to do? Let's try this out and let's do it. So in y'all opinion, do y'all see a shift in like fatherhood? Like if you go back to, you know, when they always say the war on drugs was a big thing that took a lot of the fathers out of the household. Um, they said a lot of things about um, just in that time period, a lot of fathers were lacking. Do y'all see a shift in that now? What, did y'all, what do y'all see? Because I see a lot of movements, organizations talking about fatherhood. But just in y'all opinion, what are y'all seeing? It depends upon what you mean about shift because organizations to support and and expound upon fatherhood have always existed. So it's like, what do you mean as far as this? If I say, is it getting better or worse? You know, I think about fatherhood. I think about um, being a, a community thing. Like I grew up around men on the same street raising boys for our entire lives. So that kind of fatherhood I, I I am around. The difference I see in today is that men are tackling fatherhood in isolation. I mean, I see men still doing it, happily younger men too, spending more time with their kids. Um but I see them doing it kind of in their own silo, like not really seeking or don't have access to wisdom. But what, whatever reason, the mom and dad split up and the dad just kind of moved to another city or the mom moved to another city or the father got caught up in the jail thing, you know, right. uh, or the dope thing. Right. And so the young man that I see a lot of times, you know, don't really have that that village. Uh, and trying to raise the kid and deal with the mom and be effective at it. Yeah, in, in Islam, we have a term called a rob. And rob is the term for definition meaning father. And the definition is that you take something from one state to its completed state. Meaning that you, you, you take it at this point and you stay with it until it reaches its final destination. So fatherhood is something that in actuality never stops. Even though, even though, even though you become friends with your father, my, my boys become friends with me, with me, but still I'm looking at it from a father perspective. I never lose that. You know what I mean? I never lose the, the, um, I never lose that meaning and that essence that this is my responsibility until I die. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And, and, and I'm going to play that role Right. You know what I mean? But like like Brother Aman said, I have to define it too, though. See, I think a lot of times we don't define terms. We talk about them without giving a definition to them. Right. If we give the definition, then we can really measure what we're talking about. But sometimes we get into a conversation, we never get it. We say the term like everybody's on the same plane. Right. And we, we actually be on different planes. You understand what I'm saying? So, but I don't see how, to be honest with you, Brother Fred, I don't see how in today's culture, Right. And, and in today's environment, 
a a man can really um, call himself a complete father without being there. Right. To be honest with you, you know what I mean. You, you I don't see how it's possible. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean. I, I, I don't think we are um, species like the animals that just had a baby and then leave it with the the mother, the, the mother and then go on back and do and do what we do. You understand what I'm saying? I think that I think that brothers do the best. It's the many brothers do the best they can, but I think also that until we correct this malfunction in our community where men are present you're right in in the home and there's a a solid relationship of an example of relationship with father and mother that that, that the young people can look at i think we're missing something and i think that this society has really kind of like tricked us to a degree and has us feeling that this particular world that we're living in now is sufficient you know what I mean? And they base it, the sufficiency of it on based on money. If you give some money or if you do this, you do this once, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? So, you know, I'm, I'm, I commend and I respect what single fathers do. You know what I mean? But then, you know, like you say, you, that gets into a whole nother parameter of getting along with the female and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. But now, if we go back to a step further, the, the um, responsibility the, well, we can't get anything out of it but what's in it. And if we're if we're just playing, or just 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 having the sex and playing, and something pop up, you ain't gonna just fall in love. <laughs> no, because <laughs> it just popped yeah, up. Don't it to happen that way. <laughs> it could happen, but I think we see the consequences. My thing yeah, is, bro. we can see the consequences of our behavior over these periods of time. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. And the question is, is it good? Has it been good? Is it is it positive? Is this going to get us to the next level? And I think if we look at it, there's no way possible to get us to the next level. So what about? Um uh, what about the the fathers? So obviously, there's a lot of brothers out here that's still not raising their kids. Yeah, I mean, we hear. It. I I was talking on a podcast um, two episodes ago. Why black man? Why? And I was just saying, I don't know him personally. Right. I'm gonna be real. Every brother in my life taking care of their kids, they're present. Like I don't. They're fathers. Yeah, yeah. Like that's, I don't, that's what a father like. Just because you participated in the conception of a child, that doesn't make you a father. Let's be clear. That's right. That 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 means merely that you participated in the conception of that child. That doesn't make you a father. A father is someone who, like he said, rears that child and takes them from that. I'm not gonna say vegetable state, but from that infant state, and 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 you stick with them up until your your you know until your passing or you know whatever the case so, may be. But so well, I get that. So, but with that being said, as men. As men, how do we help correct this issue that's happening? Like, how do we stand in the gap with those young men who without the fathers? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's... Because what's happening is my dad's excuse to why he did... The way he did for me, he said, well, I didn't know because my dad didn't teach me. Right. So, if you got a lot of fathers that are present in their son life, cool. But you got a lot of uh, sons that are fatherless... It keeps going. But you know why, though? Because as he had just mentioned a few seconds ago, once the child is or, or the woman finds out she's pregnant, you don't 
no man can say, oh, I, I got a light inside of me that made me just want to do right. No, you probably heard her and said, okay, maybe I need to do some things differently or change. But you didn't just get this. It, it doesn't happen sporadically. You get what I'm saying? Like that that change or that. So what is our responsibility as men to fix the problem? That's that's all I'm saying. Like it, it's it's obviously the lack of fathers is a man problem. So as men, how do we address that problem? Even if the son is not my son. Mm. Well, I, I think, you know, I hate to say it, you're gonna call me old school. Shit. You know what I mean? But the reality <laughs> of it is, you know. Hold on, hold on. First of all, let me say this. <laughs> Fuck that censoring shit. Like, at the end of the day, we, we men. So if, if I agree with you or I don't, yeah, like, say yeah. what you're gonna say. Like, shit. Yeah. Fuck out of it. You ain't gotta be proper. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we, we have we have a, 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 a structured examples in our history. We can't re, we, we can't take the structure of family and redefine it like European culture is doing. Mm. You know what I mean? So the reality of it is is that we the society has existed way before you and I. Right. You know what I mean? I'm sixty something. You all in twenties and thirties and forties. Hell, society been here for thousands and thousands of years, and the structure of family. No matter where we go on the planet, there's a system, there's a structure to it. And that structure is man and woman right. that produce children, that take care of children. Now, if we, if we, if we want to be, you know, we, we want to we say that, you know, that's old school or that's old age and et cetera. But the reality of it is what has this new thinking produced in our environment in the last 40 to 50 to 60 to 70 years? It's completely destroyed a structure, a system. And we feel the effect of the structure of that system being destroyed or redefined. I should say redefined and in the process being destroyed. And I agree with you on that. I don't think that's old school. I, I mean, I feel you. But my, this is what I'm saying. A man and a woman did come together. A man and a woman had this baby. And that man didn't stay to raise that baby. Right. So what I'm saying is, obviously, there's the process of us. We're having kids. We're raising our kids. And we're doing our thing. But as men, where do our responsibilities stop and start, start and stop with the young men that don't have fathers in these communities? Or is that the one thing where I just got to address mine and I got to keep going? Man. Um, yeah, just kind of working across space and time, seeing brothers to Baba Jahaz's point earlier, kind of doing it um, out of necessity, but not really being intentional and with a plan. Um when we even make our best attempts without being fit ourselves, it sometimes makes stuff worse. You know what I mean? Right. And so there's a, a personal preparation that needs to take place before you even try to make a well-intended effort that in a lot of cases become blunders. And for example, a lot of the young men who I engage with in their 20s who are first-time dads or first-time marriages and such, they move too much in their emotion in resolving problems versus thinking through and doing what's practical and best and being able to be okay with how it turns out. Brothers today don't have a lot of times the confidence to, to, to do, you know, because they listening to too much other noise. You know what I'm saying? And 
and it's too much input. And so now when you got all that input, it creates confusion and missteps. And so, you know, just for me, young, you know, younger cats, and I'm 47, about to be 48, when I see them engaged in it, it's, it's not with a village. You know what I'm saying? And, right. and that's so critical when dealing with however your wife or you co-parenting, whatever it is, right. you know, it's, it's still, you know, that, that lack. Like, bro, I need somebody to help me work through this. You know, because I'm just 30 or 28 or 25. Right. And I think, one, I love the village part because even the history of the Black Man Lab, when it was Ups and Fellows, yeah. when when you were the first first yeah. and only instructor yeah. uh, in the uh, basement of uh, San Cofa Church, it started because the brothers of Letters Made Man realized our sons are getting older. They're not listening to me. Maybe they'll listen to you. <laughs> So let's bring them in a room together and let's all teach our sons and expose like that model right there. I thought was so important. And what's so crazy, like it just shows we love this work so much. And sometimes it can be the uh, the death of us because it started as a selfish good act for our kids. And we took that shit and gave it back to the community. Like, God damn, we started we started this shit for our kids. Here we now, know it worked. Exactly. And so right. then we just gave it to the community again. But, I mean, I'm not mad. It's, it's going to save a lot. But I understand that's the point. Here's, a, here's another thing, too. Like, but, let, but let me say this on, on that, Elder, if you could. Because I, I see something missing in the, in the equation. Um, and I think I said this at, Letters, at Black Man's Lab, and people didn't like it too much. Don't say it on here, then. <laughs> Don't let them hold it back, brother. Speak it. Speak it. But um, when you say that um, our, ch- our, our children wasn't listening to us, so we would hope that they would listen to someone else. And the reality is they are listening to somebody else. Yeah. Right. And what what we won't, don't want to address for whatever reason it is, is that the uh, what's the gentleman name we talked about with the dress? For real. For real. For real. <laughs> dress. Right. It was a lengthy coat. <laughs> yeah, lengthy coat dress. <laughs> dress. That's right. Right. That's right. So so we allow these people in the entertainment world free access to our young people's minds mm-hmm. without being even challenged. Mm-hmm. So even though we create Black Man's Lab and Let Us Make Man and many other organizations, right, we'll stay busy the rest of our life because we never challenge what they're giving our children. When we were growing up, like you said earlier, we had that and we had, we saw family, yeah. right? Even the little fake TV programs that they, that they, condemned today it was still family it was a different message you understand what i'm saying so we're getting you know we're getting i mean they're destroying our children and we don't want to admit it you know what i mean and for friendship wise association wise or whatever we're giving them access and they're messing the children's mind up white people uh label it as freedom of speech or freedom of expression but it's killing us baba can i play devil's advocate yes sir okay so you young, you are the devil. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> right. I am, I am the young. But this is where I counter that. Because I, I, I agree to you. I, I agree with you to an extent. You're yes, right. We, we are allowing them free access to our children. 
And whether we want to speak to it or not, they do influence them to a degree. But as men, as fathers, as leaders, let's be truthful. It isn't their responsibility to raise our kids. Though though they have influence and though, yes, they should be very conscious and aware with their influence of what they're saying and what they're doing. It isn't his responsibility to do that. You get what I'm saying? Because my son or your son or his daughter, they can see Pharrell in this lengthy coat and make whatever assumption like, oh, that's cool. I should do that. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you know, I ain't too biblical, but I think it's somewhere within there says if you raise a child the way in which you should go, they shall not depart. Yeah, that's so, a bunch of crap. It's a, it's, that's a bunch yeah, of crap. Yeah, you, crap. You talking to a nigga that got? Yeah, yeah, uh, well, I, I was in a two parent home. Yeah. Both my parent family. No, but nah, both my mom and dad both had degrees. Yeah, right. They were both Christian, and I got locked up for attempt to arm river, arm robbery, bro. Period. And I align with you more than 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 I desire to express yeah. upon this podcast, right? But I'm saying that to say to a degree that that's that, right? So if certain things have been instilled instilled in you, I'm not saying that you're going to abide by all of that. Of course you won't. Hell, who in here waited to get married to have sex? Or who in here? I'm still a virgin. Me too, right? <laughs> I think all of us are. And that's part of the problem too. But go ahead. But that, like that we haven't addressed black men keeping their penis under control. Mm. Shit, I'm gonna come back to that. I'm, I'm, I'm coming right back to that. Somebody got to give me this <laughs> yeah. pussy that I'm getting. Yeah, yeah. So it ain't, it ain't like I'm doing it on my own. <laughs> so, so, so let me say this though. I, I think what Bob is saying is, is this, right? Overall, everything that you talk about, uh, village, right? Taking control of your family, holding black men accountable. We got to do all of it. I think the the best thing I've heard Elder said. It, I don't know where you got it from, but you said it about. Uh, like women can fix right now But men I feel like long term Because like I, I can speak to my situation Because you say How do we make sure We take care of the other kids Right So I have a daughter And a son Now I'm not Privileged to get my son As much as I would like But The reason why I know my son is good Is because He has a grandfather See her father Is a stand up Reminds me a lot Of Brother Jahai Really Don't take no shit Right So my son Is being reared in that She's remarried he, She has a fiance Cool brother they have another child Cool brother right So I see the info Me and him talk More than me and her talk Right Cause when he was doing bad In school On the reading thing It wasn't Oh he couldn't read It was his confidence level Me and him realized that So that means that His father Which is in his life his, Her fiance Has a father in his life too So he has men around That help And for me That was a big relief Because if she was Just raising him On her own Man I would be But on the other end, that's why I do get my daughter as much because my daughter's mom doesn't have that support system over there. It's just her. I'm not going to leave my daughter to anybody. So I think to that point, it's the village. I think that's wisdom that you even identify yeah. that that's on your right. kids. Definitely. Your but, kids' but, lives. But also, when you say, let, let me clear something up. I do by no means expect entertainers to raise my children. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But I'll be damned if I should see a hole in the road. Right and not address it. That's what I'm saying. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm I, I know what you were saying. To raise my children. I know what you see, were saying. See, what, what happened is um, the younger generation. You all don't remember a period of time when there was PGPRX and X. All y'all know now is X X X. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So really? society at one time had enough sense to filter to filter stuff and protect, and even even if they allowed those people to do what they do. They challenged them, right? They didn't. They didn't submit to them. You could. You couldn't put a liquor store 
in this area in in on um, in Buckhead. They're not gonna let you do it. They're not gonna let you surround their neighborhood because they know the influences, mm -hmm. right? So what I'm saying is, by no means do I expect them to, but I'll be damned if I'm gonna be laughing with them and having fun with them and acting like they're not destroying our damn kids, and then they come on the news or come on TV and tell you that they send their kids to a better environment, to a better situation, and they won't allow their kids to listen to the crap that they produce for our children. Yeah, now, now keep it tell you. Yeah. I'm with you on this because yeah. mm. I don't really do rap music. Like I don't, I don't. Oh, wow. I, don't I think fuck. I may be the only one here that uh. <laughs> that is. Nah, I don't, I'm, I'm, oh, you know, I'm a hip hop head. But yeah, hip -hop. kids. Okay, when I have yeah. baby girl. It's kid by it's kid by yeah. all day. Like I yeah. everything kid verse. I'm a big bro. I grew up where my parents put. Uh, the controls on the TV, That's and if right. you wasn't fourteen, you couldn't watch the fourteen stuff. If you See, and, I, and, and I was, I was different. I, I'll, yeah, I I'm mean, generation. I mean, nowadays <laughs> <No>. everybody. <laughs> I don't want to bash like, my mom even, too bad. What even, I'm about to say, even but. even our kids, even our kids now. Even like I remember going to, you know, I used to DJ right. And I I hate DJing because I want to play what I want to play. I don't give a fuck what y'all want to <laughs> Like that's why I'm not a DJ. Like so the parties that Definitely I did good at asking your party if you DJ people. The, the parties I did good at, they just like my music. <laughs> Damn. I think they like you more than the music. Exactly. But <laughs> but but you you DJ in school dances and the same music you playing here is the same music they're playing at the club. Yeah, bro. There's an issue. Okay. Yeah, bro. There's an issue. Our kids know the lyrics to yeah. every fucking song. Yeah. But that's, don't know capitalism. That's an issue. Yeah. Like, and then you wondering what the fuck is, you know, and then we start having this conversation. Oh, you know, oh, you either old school or you tripping. Like, I even, Kiefer even tell you, I watch Power, right? But I had, we have to be honest. You cannot kill what you glorify. Clear, clearly not. Yeah, you cannot kill what you glorify. Right, so, so, clarify you, for me, so clarify. what I what I mean by that, we all nobody right now will say they love killing, they love dope selling, they want that around their life and their family. Nobody will say that. Not at all. But what happens is, if it get real pretty and you put the right people in the uh, scenes, we'll watch the TV show. Every fucking week. I got mothers that are faithful fans of power, but they crying about their sons in the streets. Yeah. You can't fucking kill what you glorify. And I'm a hypocrite because I'm watching the shit. I'm going to be real. I'm watching the shit. But this is how you know you can't kill what you glorify. Right now, you can't find one fucking person that will watch a show every week faithfully, post about it on social media about child uh, pedophilia. Yeah. Because we want to kill that shit. That's why the show like that wouldn't make it on the TV. So it's not that we really. First off, you want to better get that show on TV. I'm not. So oh no, it, we on the fucking way. Oh, oh no, we on we, we on the way. Let, let me be clear. Malvin, me and Malvin talking uh, this weekend. Malvin said we're about fifty years away from losing complete control. Not even that. Not even it's closer than fifty years. You think it's closer than fifty? How, how many years you think? Twenty generation. Twenty years. Ten. To 20. Yeah, you can't even. You can't really put a number on it because it's yeah. it. Even as now, when you look at what, yeah, where we are, this stuff is going to gradually happen. So that in what you're speaking about, maybe 50, 20, it's here, but it's growing. The seed has been planted. That's evident in, in, in society and what we already know and what we were talking about before the mic came on. It's been planted. But as far as for that seed to actually grow into this big tree of, of, that we're going to have to breathe, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, it, it's going to take a little time. So one of the hardest challenges I ever had, uh, I was going through a training with the uh, King Center. Um the Nonviolence 365 Learning King's Philosophy. Mm -hmm. 
And the, they ask the question that's simple, but when you think about it, it's hard. Give it to us. What does a world? What does your world look like if it had true peace? What does your world look like with no violence? So then she went deeper and she was like, "What movies would you not be able to watch? What music would you not listen to? Like, what places would you not go? Like, if violence was removed, because we all said they asked us, do we want to live in a, a violent, free world? Do you want to live in a peace world? Right. What does that really look like? And then it challenges you to acknowledge how much that shit do you take in, indulge in of violence. Oh, I ingest a lot. I will tell you no lie. Like, so then, so going back to what I said, you can't kill what you simultaneously glorify. And then we got to ask ourselves, so what do we really want? Do we want to fix our world or do we want to fix the world? Do we want to make sure our family's straight or do we want to make sure that we straight everything? I mean, I always, I'm going to say this real quickly. My uncle always said this, right? We always talk about the end of the world, the end of the world. He said, man, it's not going to be the end of the world. It's going to be the end of your world. Like, (laughs) so it's it's your world. Like, I control how I view my stuff. I... I see my life damn near like the Matrix. Like I'm controlling my world. I don't really don't know if y'all really here with me or not, but y'all are. But it, for for me though, it's my world. I'm a because I can't control all this other bullshit. They gonna these people gonna it's a system. These people gonna do this shit. And that's what yeah, that's that's I where the, that's where me. I'm looking at everybody's shit. Like I'm like if you come into mine, like I'm invested in your shit. Like everybody here. Has experienced how I love, you know what I'm saying, or how I get. Like I'm invested. Right. I feel like I have a lot more money if I ain't give a fuck about niggas. Like if I just, right. if I just cared about my world, right. Right. like nigga, I would be <laughs> fucking <laughs> winning. Right. Right. I would yeah. be fucking winning if yeah. I could just like, but I can't. I try. I, I like sometimes I say I wish I didn't give a fuck <laughs> the, way, the way I do, but I do though. You know what I'm saying? Well, and, you, have, you have to. You have to be concerned about the outside world. Because you have to go into the outside world. You're not, you're not going to stay on your block. You're going to leave your block at some point. Yeah. And if somebody on the other block is teaching their kid to rob the first nigga that come off the block yeah. that don't live in this neighborhood and here you come marching along, they're going to get you. Nah, See, you I'm telling you, you all don't remember when, when, when the TV st- first started. TV didn't have all this violence. I'm telling you, they it had like now we have been desensitized for real. They had human interest stories, yeah. and what they're trying to convince us now is that we can't get excited about just good stories. Yeah, you know, we can't watch a movie and let the good come out. You know what I mean? And then the other part that, that missed me is we clearly see that it's the psychology of white people or European people who produce they feed off of violence, right? So that every story they got on TV. It's some violent into it. Somebody gonna get cut up, chopped up, killed, run over, and, and whatever. You know what I mean? That's not our world. Yeah. And if that was our world, I'd say okay. But we, if we just go back and just look at history, and we can understand how we got to today. But what we're doing, we're not even we we're in this little window. Like like I told a brother, I said it. One brother, I better not say it. A brother said, so, it. "No, no, I, I can't say it." A brother said, "I got double dog." A brother, <laughs> a brother said to me, "He said, brother, y'all, you know, we was at a we was at a meeting one day, and uh, brother, you all know, uh, we uh, a okay thing. We was at a uh, 
one of those things we do. What's those sets we do at the restaurants and clubs? Oh, uh, the little talk, the little yeah, loud talk. I just yeah. going through. So he was sitting there talking, and et cetera. About seven of us around there, some ladies and guys, and seven or eight of us. So dudes, you know, starts to drinking and gets a little tipsy, you know, and everybody around there yeah. a little tipsy. So I'm just sitting there among them. So the next thing I know, they're talking about sex. Yeah. Right? So I'm just sitting there. So dude starts talking about oral sex. So dude says, he looks at me after they all done went around testifying. <laughs> Jahad, I bet you do oral sex. I said, no, I don't. He said, nigga, excuse me, can I say that on here? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he said, yes, you do. I said, no, I don't. I said, there's, there's, there's I said, I said, that's my personal um, uh, um, belief and strategy is I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. Right. Now, he said, everybody do it. <laughs> now, where's he coming from? He's 30 years old. Right? He's coming from this, this environment. Right. But the reality of it, everybody didn't do it. Uh, <laughs> because when I grew up, I'm telling you, when I grew up, if you walked up to a girl and you told a girl, baby, I need you to straighten this Johnson out. Mm. She gonna say you nasty, and she gonna go tell all her girlfriend. You know that nasty buzzing asked me to do. I'm sorry that you had to grow up in such a sad. On behalf of me, on behalf of every city girl in Atlanta, I'm sorry that you had to experience such such troubles. So 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 what happened? Well, you know, I'm gonna tell you what a you know spiritual leader told me once in a lecture uh, on to men a men's class. He said, when a woman sees you coming, all she sees is a big dick coming in your mouth when you coming, you know, when you're approaching her with the, with the practice of oral sex. See, here's a, here again, it's a behavior that's not ours. Mm. It's not ours. You can't, you can't go in our history and bring it ours. You don't even know where... where the proof that it's not ours is that 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 it came about, you know what I mean, among black people in the late 60s, 70s. Mm. That behavior wasn't like every day like it is accepted today. And then the 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 well I don't I'm not gonna the the woman's body structure, the vagina is too close to the anus. And when you go to the store. You say keep it real, right? Yeah, keep it real. When you go to the, the, the store, they have a whole section that women got to buy hygiene stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Indicator. They dripping all the time and this and that. And that. Still good. You know what I mean? So, go back. I want to go back to what you said before since we're here. You said brothers need, black men need to learn how to uh, control their dick, their penises. What exactly. do you mean? Exactly. What do you mean? I mean, we need to become disciplined in with, what our, way? With, our, with our penis. So, okay, break it down. I don't want discipline, nothing to break down. You need to, you need, if, if, if we're going to, to, um, okay, say for instance, this, this same brother would say that, that, um, that there's a young brother that come to let us make man. And his mother told me this, this is a true story. She said, Jihad, she said, my son told him, that he don't want to mess around with the girls. But his friends keep pushing him. Mm-hmm. Pushing him. Mm-hmm. Pushing him. Now all this dude want to do is grow up. Mm-hmm. Right? 
But his peers is pushing him, man. Handsome as you are, these girls throwing themselves at you and blah blah blah. Now because he don't want to engage, he gay or he lame, right? You know what I'm talking about? That's my story. What they gonna do is push this dude to a break breaking point if he's not strong enough or if he don't get the support system he need. That's what happened to me. Yeah, I got pushed. I think a lot of us got pushed. I got pushed. See, they tried to push me. They're like, they're like, Elder. Hit like one thing I can say, I ain't never smoked before. They used to always push me to smoke. They were like, put put the blunt in my face. Put the blunt in my face. Nah. Put the blunt in my face. Nah. Put the blunt in my face. Nah. Then drinking. Drink this drink. Nah. Drink this drink. Nah. Drink this drink. Nah. And then one day she put a pussy in my face. And I couldn't say no. I couldn't say no. Check this out. Let me, let me stay with what he was saying. Now, now, look at this. If the if the male engages in oral sex, right, and they they know that the playing field now becomes what equal. Equal. Oh yeah. You you don't know the sensuality of a woman like another woman does. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Oh, you preaching right So this, this agenda, mm. this is an agenda. <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about? So they know what they did was they did step by step introduced the 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 um that particular lifestyle yeah. and now they they have balanced it. So now how can you complain to a homosexual right. about their behavior? And hell you more engaged in the behavior than they are. Yeah. yeah. And then the sense. behavior is balanced because now a woman and then and Carter Carter B and all of them tell you I can get you <laughs> better than you. I'm boom 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 boom. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and so and, the, so the balance now, you know, all I'm saying to say is that this is not accidental. Mm-hmm. That's that's all I'm trying. So what do we what do we said? I cause you you hear people all the time say you know, I believe there's an agenda. I believe that black men are under. I feel like black people are under attack. Period. When but right now we're talking about black men. Um, how do we combat that? Yeah, or when people uh, say, "Oh, you tripping?" Or oh, it ain't no agenda. This is this is a natural progression. Like, how do we how do we combat that? I when, think yeah. Well, go ahead. Let the wisdom go. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, I, I was I was just gonna say that um, you know for me, com- combat is just the right word. And I think most of the time when you're engaged in warfare, you're you're fighting it on multi fronts. And what I mean by fronts, meaning attack could be from the west, but it can also come from the south as well as the east. So you have to fight battles on multi fronts and you have to understand anytime there's a warfare that there are going to be casualties. And so in as much as one can say we engage in warfare, then one has to be prepared for warfare like what training do you need what skill sets what knowledge base having been a soldier i know the process that it took to take a civilian and make a soldier and so in fatherhood in black manhood which is a cultural phenomena just like every other culture it is a process and uh there are certain knowledge and skill sets that you need to even be prepared to be in the war because one of them is to let go of the damn victim mentality. Too many niggas operating out here as victims, talking about what's happening to me versus what the hell am I making happen. And one of the things my dad taught us in 
without saying it is men don't allow shit to happen to them. You know, men make shit happen and deal with circumstances in a way that he knows that the outcome is going to be to his benefit. Now, what measure that is, that depends on it's in direct proportion to the effort put forward. Right. In terms of how the victory going to be. Um, and so just knowing that if we in combat, Brothers need training, and that shit can't start when he's 18 and 19. Because right. now you undoing more shit than you doing. Right. And that's what I find myself when I'm being asked for my advice from younger cats. Is I'm, and then I'm going to tell you right now, young cats and dudes can't ask certain shit and then go back and do the opposite of what you share. Yeah, you ask my opinion, but then if you're gonna ask my opinion, don't and then do some different shit, then don't come back and tell me how that shit didn't work. Cause now you shitting on me and making me a dumping ground and I ain't gonna do it. And we done talked about that before. We done talked about <clears throat> this young brother's not taking the wisdom and the yeah. insight that's given to them. And uh uh and I said I wanted to stay completely away from the sisters because I wanted to talk only about brothers. But I do want y'all to uh, comment or give advice to sisters that are raising men alone, that are there, that they don't have that. They don't have that man in their life. Like, what is advice to them? Because I know I get calls from sisters all the time. And it's two types of women that I've come, I've encountered. Well, there's multiple types. I'm going to talk about two. There's that one that's talk asking for your advice but really don't want it right because she ain't ready to let him go yet and that's even in my family there's young men in my family that they had the potential to be so much in life but they mother literally handicapped them if we said anything to a little cousin you said anything to him uh, uh oh, oh no don't say nothing to my baby like i remember and i don't even say it because i know my auntie them listening but even my grandma rest in peace her soul like, she raised my little cousin, and she spoiled him. Like, literally, she she spoiled him so much where he was untouchable. You couldn't say nothing to him till he ended up acting out, getting older, and now his future has been, it's been capped. It's been capped because the decisions have been made, paths and journeys have been traveled on, but a lot of that, it was just that lack of allowing a man yeah. To be in that room So like what do you say to those sisters Like what is advice to help them now? Not even telling them what to do Because it's your son and it's his life But from brothers who are fathers And who are engaged mentors in this community Man work that shit out with his dad That's the first thing I'm going to say You know fix, Begin working to fix that shit <laughs> uh, That's the very best Strategy What if there isn't a father Shit, how you get here? That's some. Okay, well, we're we being very transparent. She, she probably just, you know what I'm saying? Thought somebody was nice. Got knocked up. She, 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 uh, <laughs> I mean, so, if, if we're being yeah. real, like, so, it, it, it isn't no, that's dope. real. No, that's real <laughs> what she's saying. Because if, if we want to talk to how truthful that is, that, no, that's, that's a whole nother yeah. conversation. No, talk so, to her. No, so, talk yeah. to her. Yeah. I'm saying that to say that, bro. It's like, okay, even, wow, even with my situation, right? I know that this guy won't be there. That's that's evident from me stepping in and taking the t taking on that role. Mm -hmm. However, 
certain things which I needed from his mother in order to continue rearing him and being his father, she wasn't willing to give me. Yeah. So you gotta, if you're gonna, if we, because I text you and ask you, right, if it's okay, we talk. So, yeah, like, so give the situation. <clears throat> so even brother Jahai, I don't even think he's aware. So like, yeah, I know Parham is aware, but you get the situation, so it makes sense what you're saying right now. Okay, so I'll do it respectfully. Uh, I was in a long-term relationship with someone who was my childhood sweetheart, and. Uh, a child was was born, and of course, I initially I, I took on the the role of being his father because I was under the impression that I was his father. However, uh, after certain things transpired, I decided to consider getting custody. And one of the beginning things, and, and one one of the first things in which you do is establish paternity. Right. And so, in my attempt to do so, you know, this uh, it was brought to light that I wasn't his biological father. However, I was still willing to be there in the rearing of this child. I not only was I there at every doctor's appointment, I was there for the almost 30 hours in which you were in labor. I named him. Mm-hmm. Even, I mean, I still have to go through legal things now because he has my name. I signed the birth certificate. Mm-hmm. And like I say, even after the <clears throat> the finding of this information, I was willing to rear this child and be there as a father. Not not no, I'm, I'm going to do what I can. Occasion- no, I'm going to... I'm going to be such a good damn daddy that whoever, you know what I'm saying, whoever Joe Blow is, it, it don't even make, he, he, he is non-existent. But like I said, there were certain things in which I needed from this woman at this time because we're, we're, we're past the bullshit. So if, if I'm willing to take this on, I need a certain type of transparency, you know what I'm saying, and just, just certain things that she wasn't willing to give me. And I can understand now that it's been some time. It hasn't been that long. I'll be completely honest and say it hasn't even been six months since I found this information out. And I'm just not getting to a place where I can speak to it and not be an emotional wreck. But I just – dang, I lost my train of thought. Okay. Well, you know, here's, here's old school again. And I'm, I'm just saying I'm just a – I call myself a realist. And the reality of it is, without um, morality in our culture, right. we're going to have these problems. Oh, it's, just yeah. simple. it's just that simple. Morality in the society is for a reason. Mm-hmm. Moral conduct and behavior is for a reason. Mm-hmm. So when we break away from the moral conduct of the society, then we get what we got today. We get what we got now. Yeah, Long you know what I mean. And now, what we're basically trying to do is adjust and adapt. Yeah, we're trying to adapt, right? But to, if we're going to fix it, because if it's if it's like this now, what you think is going to be twenty years from now? Same thing. You know, worse. Most it's going to be worse. Can't get better because it's going on that on that pattern. You know what I mean? The reality of it is, mor- morals. What 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 this society attempt to do to us? is make morals irrelevant. Mm. Why is that? Because they make money off of it. Mm. Break that down. You know what I mean? What every every they say crime if, pays, right? Yeah. If they're not going to um um uh say for instance, if you if you um have a child outside of uh marriage, right? Mm-hmm. Then there are systems in this culture in place to 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 um, sustain sustain the, the situation. 
right. and there's 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 even what do you call um not degrees um financial aid financial assistance no, well you know like uh when you go get a degree you you get a job and there are people who making money off of that misery oh yes I'm, yeah, I'm system. Not, yeah, yeah. There, there are people making money, so they're never mm-hmm. trying to fix, fix anything it. in Correct. this society. Correct. All they do is they come and they put the bandaid on it, Correct. and then they loosen up the morals some more, and then they create an industry, and then people come up, open a company, and et cetera, et cetera, and they make money off of those situations. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing like like what the foods we eat, mm-hmm. right? They'll never fix the foods we eat because the reality is they know that they have an industry based on fixing us after we get sick. Mm. Right. So their intention is not for us to get well. So mm. all I'm saying is that, you know, moral morality, it, it, it they, they play it as old school, but it's there for a reason right. in the society. And if 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 um, if I feel like the woman, you say the woman, I said the man has to control his penis. She got to control a vagina. Right. She can she needs some control, too. Carter beat him ain't giving him no control. That's what I'm telling you. You're talking about going to give it. It can't get better. The brother said he was over the clock over the weekend. And, you know, homecoming, everybody comes to homecoming. Right. The, 80, the 80 year old alumni and the 50 year old alumni. Right. They all walk down that, that street, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a group over there selling pineapples and stuff, but they got a big old jukebox out there, a speaker, and they playing Carter B. And Mickey Minaj. He said Mickey. Or whatever the name is. <laughs> I love it. I love and they talking about doing this, eating this, my bee is better than yours. I can take blah, blah, blah. They didn't even have the discretion to say, okay, maybe there are some older people coming. Yeah. That's how I know how far we've off the path, right? When I was young, if we did something wrong, if we saw older people, we pulled over to the side. You always hiding it. And and this is why I say again to that point. As black men, our responsibility um, is to one call that shit out. Right. Like you know, that's I think that's well, number. Most one. people are scared to call it out. How how he just did. Yeah. Like, you, you see it. And, you and Drico talked about that. that on why black man why why we don't hold black men accountable. Like one call that shit out. Like I think Fair accountability enough. is the first role <coughs> of black men is to hold each other accountable. Like and there's and there's different levels we got to do this stuff on. But I think when we begin to hold each other accountable, there like you almost make shit almost. So it's certain shit that uh, you know back in the day, like when niggas be like, "Oh, nigga, oh that shit gay, nigga, that shit gay." <laughs> so nobody want to do that shit. Like if it's gay, like it's naturally done. I don't think, I don't think uh, I've ever told a nigga that don't watch a kid like, "Nah, you can't fuck with me." But I think anybody that know me and don't fuck with their kid, I think it's kind of like an under. You're not even gonna feel comfortable around me. Yeah, the mentoring is a big thing for me. Just being examples. Um, two two types of uh, people I feel like men we need to be mentoring is one our household. Mm. Let's lock down our shit. Mm. You know what I'm saying? First, you know, we, let's lock down our household first, and then you can go out to your your nieces and your nephews. You know what I'm saying? Them sack. Let's just lock down your village first. And then I think another one that I think is a missing link is the men that our daughters are dating. I feel like they need more mentorship and experience. if they're going to be in your daughter life anyway. And the only example I can give to that is uh, Mr. Marcus Griffin. Uh, he's the only reason why I'm in Let Us Make Man because I dated his daughter. 
He's seen what I was doing in the community. Right. And this is when I was uh, United Way. I love all people. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is when this is when my community efforts were very, you know, coming from a Eurocentric European understanding of what this shit was. It wasn't until I got with Let Us Make Man where I began to get politicized and understand how important this is to the plight of black people and uh, us pushing forward. Um, but Mr. Graf- Mr. Griffin, I'm riding with him, and he- this nigga didn't want to listen to music. The only thing we listening to is too, 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 too much truth. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm like, God damn. So, Wait, so what y'all listen to? Too, 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 too much truth. <laughs> so, so, so I'm listening. I'm listening to Derek show, and then Derek in the sense of stuff. He was like, so Mr. Griffin, I was like, Mr. Griffin be laughing like a motherfucker in the car. Oh, Derek, that nigga funny. So. So one day, Derek, Derek had an event, a live event. He said, I want you to come and meet these brothers. And you know what I'm saying? He introduced me to Mowley. And you know, if you want, if, I didn't even put this on record. If you want to get a Let Us Make Man, the brothers go to your Mowley. <laughs> now look, Mowley going to bring you in the room. Your credit going to be shot at the jump. <laughs> but if you want to get in, like you go through Mowley. If you can't get in through Mowley, you ain't getting in at all. Like, if he don't accept you, True. nobody will accept you. But, uh, he brought me to Mowley. And Mowley introduced me to yeah. everybody. But I'm just saying, he took an interest in me. He didn't look at me like, oh, nigga, you fucking my daughter. He knew we were fucking. Like, he was just like, he was like, yo, what's your name? What are you doing? How can I get you better? And I didn't see the importance of that until my little sister got married. Mm-hmm. So my little sister married uh, John. Uh, and John, when he met her, like I was like, oh, this is what it feels like. Now I understand why fathers be like, yeah, I want my daughter to get married. You want to get married to a real man. My sister married a real man. She always traveling overseas, and when she was in Ecuador, she almost got uh, abducted. It was an incident that happened where she got in a taxi cab, and the taxi cab was making wrong turns. She was with a male friend, and they ended up jumping out of a a, a moving car. So. So so like that was like the but my sister so fucking retarded she still want to travel all over the world by herself like so we couldn't stop that shit so John was dating her at the time at Lincoln University and John was like well I'm going with you so John went with her to uh he went with her to China he went with her to Germany he went with her to, like everywhere they been he been with her, he married it and now I'm at peace I'm like you know so now it ain't nothing John can ask for that I wouldn't do. When they start dating, John need a job. Shit, I'm going to make sure he got a job. Like, John needs some money. I'm going to make sure he got some money because he's taking care of my sister. Yeah. And I feel like there's this narrative now where we see prom night, you know, the men bringing the guns out with the sons. Like, I get it. It's funny. But at the same time, a lot of that is the culture of dating me and daughter. It's not a... This is a black man. I got an opportunity to pour into him because my daughter has his attention and I can make sure he's good. I don't think we doing it like that. Not that you got to understand the influence he has over your daughter too. A lot. A lot. lot. And wait, so at what age or what time do you begin to embrace the fact for which your daughter is 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 expressing her feminicity? I think shit. I think you need to do it at the end of the day because speaking to a young a young wild boy. I had a lot of influence over y'all daughters. <laughs> like, and, 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 and I'm going to be real. The, the, I had, I extended 
me and Mr. Griffin's daughter relationship about three months because I didn't know how to break up with him. Right, right. You told like, me that. It wasn't even it wasn't even the daughter. Like I just felt sad that I, I could break it up with him. You know what I'm saying? So it, I feel like out of respect for him, it's certain shit I would never do. You know, like with my daughter. With my daughter, right? I took this position. I raised and me and my wife raised my daughter. All the way to when she got ready to go to Tuskegee. I took the position that she was like an investment, mm. right? She was a, she's actually an investment. Now, am I going to allow you? So you would have a problem with me because I would have found out a little bit about <laughs> you, right? I would have went to your parents' house. Uh, that's what you would have lost. You. No, I would have, I would, I trust me, I would have found out something about you. Now, whether what she's free to do what she want to do, like you're saying, but I'm still going to play that role because you can't force people to do anything. I accept that. I'm not a fool. Right. But my responsibility is still to sh give you the data, give you the information, give you the support. Right. And if you do what you want to do, that's on you. Like if you marry somebody, my, my daughter uh, uh, went to college, graduated from Tuskegee called me that summer and said she's moving to Houston, Texas. She's getting married. I said, marry who? She said she met a Muslim brother and she, she uh, loved him and she's going to marry him. I said, baby, you can't marry nobody we don't even know. That's <laughs> right. She said, daddy, I'm going to marry him. I'm marry him. And sure enough, she married him and moved to Houston. Mm. Right? So I didn't cut our relationship off. She's my daughter. Mm. Right? So I would call her to talk to her. So I kept calling her and I kept calling and talking to her. So finally she broke down one day, like three, four, five, six months into the relationship and she started crying on the phone. And she told me that he was abusing her. I got on a plane the next day, flew to Houston, packed my daughter up and brought her back to Atlanta. I told that Negro, if you ever cross that Georgia state line, we got some issues. We ain't seen him since. <laughs> right? <laughs> Because that was, I, we yeah, put, we did, we, hey, we, I, I'm me sorry, and my wife, wait, but hold on, me and my wife put, we put a lot into Y'all have invested. That, yeah, that, we put a lot in, and, 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 and if we put that into her, why are we going to sit back and watch you abuse it? Uh-uh. That make no sense. No, no I mean, he was just talking, bro, and he said, if you ever. That nigga sounded just like that white boy on Taken. Oh, yeah. I have a set of skills. And I'm going to find you. He meant that. like, you know, I just can't see, I just can't see, you know, putting that much. I just can't see, you know, why are you going to abuse somebody? Right. Just, now, that, that, now that happened to my now like now my little sister, my little sister uh, called herself getting engaged. So she, my little sister, uh, I love Victoria. She's weird, but I love her. So Victoria, 
get in a relationship with a Nigerian. Oh crap! So she may she meets a Nigerian here in Atlanta. He takes her out on a date, and if I'm telling the story right, he ended up telling her, "I wasn't dating you for me. I wanted you to meet my brother." So she gives they her brother his brother is lives in Nigeria. The big brother's here The little brother lives in Nigeria So They start talking on the phone Every night My sister's talking to him She like him And She go She says she gonna go over to Nigeria to see him Now y'all know I go to Africa every year (laughs) But Nigeria is just one of them countries I'm just not in the rush to go to (laughs) I'm just just gonna be real with you So My sister goes to Nigeria Meets the dude And The dude proposes to her over there So she called the family back And she just all Oh we, I got proposed And she wondering like We asking questions like Propose? Like To who? What <laughs> was the first thing? Like we don't heard you talk on the phone This nigga They were talking on the phone <laughs> we, But we don't know This nigga ain't called me He ain't called my daddy He ain't called my mama He ain't make no Proposed. No he Pro- made no alliance. Proposed. And my sister was like, uh, she was mad. She was mad that we weren't happy for her like we were for Winnie when she got married. I'm like, nigga. <laughs> like, bring that nigga over here. Let us see about him first. You know what I mean? But I think, but that's what I'm talking about. I think as black men, the, the thing is, your daughter didn't meet, you didn't meet this dude. She went to Houston. And she met him at a, at a graduate. She got a job in Birmingham at a hospital. And she met him at the hospital after she graduated from high school. She, she, I mean, college. You know what I mean? Right. She, she was making like, she came out of college making almost like 63000 a year. The Negro was making like 40 something, which was no problem. Because right. I'm figuring the two of y'all together, y'all got 103000 Right. 20 something years old. You, you on your way, at least economically. Right. You know what I mean? So. I didn't have a situation with that, but I, I thought, like you said, raise your daughter, raise your children right. And they should not depart. All right. She wanted to go straight. Nobody said that's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. <laughs> we ain't raised how to do that. We didn't, so, raise, her. We didn't raise her to make that decision. So, no, do you, you so, so do you agree <laughs> men should be more invested in the men that their daughters date? Sure. Yeah, man. You, you, like Bobby Jihad alluded yeah. to, yeah. you can't make them do shit. Right. And they're going to start telling you what the hell they're going to do That's anyway right. at That's some right. point. Um, but what he did was, was what any father could do, yeah. you know, and that is talk to your daughter. That's right. Um, and, you, and you really, it, it's my experience, and I've got two older daughters. It's my experience, man, is that you really have to rely on the mother to be in her That's right mind. Right. That too. Because that's right. that shit can make yeah, or break right. you. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's right. Because if the mother ain't in her right mind, you, you don't have a, no chance. Mm-hmm. Okay. And 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 so and then if the grandmother, and that's where you can have because you can connect the daughter to your mama, and you can be assured that that transfer of values gonna happen. And so that's what I did. You know, through all of the mistakes I made, I relied on what was sure and certain is that I can connect my kids to my parents and their family. And so where I fail, their family can rally. 
Supposed to. It's right. supposed to. Yeah, it's a so that's the safety net. That's the safety yeah. net. And, and that's so, how it's been for centuries. Yes, sir. And it you only makes sense. Yeah, it only makes sense. You know what I'm talking about? What we've done is cut off the the century, the um the his, his historical um um safeguards yeah. that's in our culture. That's right? the village. Yeah, the village. We cut all of that off. Yeah. Today and then I don't need no message. I don't need no something. I'm my own this right. and yeah. then you know, I mean then as soon as they get in trouble, who do they who call? Who they call it? Yeah. Most of the time they'll jump you and call grandma. <laughs> 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 so, so what what do we say about the uh the new masculinity? Yeah. Um and I'm gonna uh come bringing it to an end because we uh we, we definitely went over on time on this one, but okay. it's a needed conversation. Um, GQ magazine um, is now saying that their magazine is a gender neutral, a gender neutral audience. Um, yeah. Cause so for those that don't know, um, GQ just released their uh, new issue. Pharrell's on uh, 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 a coat dress. Big ass coat. <laughs> it's a lengthy coat. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, uh, Armand is a huge Pharrell fan. He just don't want to accept it. <laughs> Armand like that little nigga off of uh, off of Boondocks. She like, nigga, it's not a dress. It's a strap for my gun. <laughs> <laughs> Just a white beater. Where are your pants? Why are you wearing a skirt? <laughs> nah, granddad. These are gangsta delicious shorts for thugs. See, they got an extra flap with a pocket, so you, you know, you, you hide what you want to hide from the police. Kind of hot, right? You want me to see if you got your side? But you carry the purse. What? Come on, granddad. This ain't no purse. It's a gangsta delicious man bag. What? What's wrong? Nothing. Uh. It's a lengthy comfort coat. That's all. So, Armand don't want to admit. Man, you know, half time, I just think these niggas uh, want fucking attention. Yeah. I think I think it's when you live in it, it's when, a conversation piece. When man. you live in it, it's, it's like fucking young jock with the hair getting the auntie perm. Right. Like, these niggas be wanting attention. Like it's they new addiction, they, they, I promise you. So, when we talk about the new masculinity, and, and I just want to be clear on this, because folk be scared of this conversation, but in the words of Bernie Mac, I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. So, like, I'm saying, so I want to I play this clip, and I want y'all to tell me what you think. There is nothing society loves more than a black man that knows his place. A black man that is willing to sacrifice his masculinity to get what he wants to get in life. Because that makes them feel safe. Now, before you say I'm a homophobe or I'm wrong, I want you to take a look at something for yourself. Terry Crews, did you know him before he played a gay black male on Friday at the Next? Did you know of him? Did you notice how after that role he blew up? What about Bernie Mac, who played Jingling in Life? Who played a, a, a gay male in jail? The Bernie Mac show came out in 2001. Because he played that role, he became even on a bigger platform and had his own show. What about Tyler Perry? He came out as Medea, right? A masculine black woman played by a man. Everybody was entertained laughing. He then blew up and got his own movies, his own shows. You still think I'm tripping?
What about Bird Box? Everybody loved Bird Box. It was a crazy movie. The acting was good. The black man was known for, for being handsome. All the black women loved his role and everything like that. But he got on through a movie called Moonlight where he played a gay male. His, his role in Moonlight was so powerful and everybody loved it. And he got the approval from the folks. And he moved up and he was able to perform in Bird Box. Really? I'm tripping, right? What about Amari Hardwick? See, you probably forgot in the movie For Colored Girls when he played as a gay man who cheated on his wife and got HIV. Now he's on power as Ghost. See, this process is dangerous because no matter what they do, no matter what they accomplish, at one point in time in their life, they played a gay male. So the question is, when it's all said and done, how would their legacy be remembered? What would they be remembered for? Oh, and one more thing. Will Smith, he once too played a gay male in a movie. And after that, came in in black, right? See, for you people that's sitting back saying I'm a homophobe or I'm tripping, you have been programmed. Because as black people, we, the homosexual thing wasn't our thing. No, 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 we wasn't, that wasn't us. When they invaded Jamaica, the buck breaking process and all that stuff was introduced to us. So this pattern of homosexual activity, you can debate all you want, but I know for a fact, black people, we did not come up with this stuff. So ask yourself, why haven't you noticed this? Why are we supporting our black men being emasculated for financial gain and fame? Think about it. So what do y'all think about that? Agree or not? I mean, what he spoke was factual as far as the the things that have been done, like the roles in which they played and then the I wouldn't say the benefits thereof, but that in which came after. Shit, I think he left some shit out. Like Martin, Jamie Foxx, yeah, he, like, he, he left, left some people, people out with that shit. Uh, but the pattern he observed is one, 100. And and so, but hell, it, it goes on the other end of the spectrum with the whole pimp player, hustler shit. That's a phenomenon of white men imposing their characterization of black men you know oh man you the shit when you a player right you know that shit go back to the slave quarters and and breeding so on this end with the masculinity it's just white men doing more the same trying to uh project on to black men and, and the people at large uh <laughs> a definition of masculinity which is different from manhood right you know and explain that different for the folk that don't know. Uh, masculinity is more physiological. You know what I mean? It's, it's in that testosterone will be a part of that. You know, behaviors will be a part of that, which is a part of uh, traits. Uh, traits, you know. So that piece is masculinity. Physiologically, you can uh, kind of look at those things. Manhood, on the other hand, is a cultural phenomenon where hood in itself means that it is a part of a group construct of what a man 
can do, what skills he has, how he conducts himself. That cultural reality is different from many cultures on earth. And so in the difference between the two, what GQ is doing is they're trying to, in my estimation, really is more the same what white men been doing since African men got here. You know, make a nigga be what he want him to be. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Tell a nigga what he want him to be. You know what I'm saying, nigga? This okay, so the the the, the macho nigga on the cover of Source magazine, you know, is no longer what we want you to be, nigga. Now we want you to wear a big coat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying on the cover of GQ. So then, in in effect, you're gonna just see the dominoes fall. You'll see niggas on the cover of other magazines looking the same damn way. My thing is <laughs> the funniest thing I heard all year was when Dave Chappelle said, "I'm Chinese." <laughs> <laughs> I remember that Netflix. <laughs> like, like, this is how I feel in shine. <laughs> like, like that is the funniest shit I don't heard all year, bro. Like yeah. so yeah, you talk about that too with the gay shit. Yeah, like so you know, my issue with all of this, I just don't you know, I don't want it like I had a problem with Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah. When he he got woman of the year, I thought that was offensive. <laughs> yeah, you know women. why? Because people aren't addressing that. You see how you just addressed him as he, Caitlyn Jenner. He, that you got you got some people who are trying to say, well, it's a she. Mm-hmm. You know what they say? Your mama called you. Your mama <laughs> made you a man. You a man? Well, I, I think, I think, for, I think first, I'm gonna call you. I think first and foremost, when you talk about like uh, homosexuality and transgender, black and white, that's two totally different things. Like. <clears throat> Black transgender, white transgender. That, to me, that whole white transgender thing for white men—that's to me—that's their privilege being exercised. And then when it comes to black men, that's trauma being exercised. Yeah, like, yeah. and I've been through some shit. And, yeah, yeah. Because even though support, he could support it historically. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? the, 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 you could imagine what happened to African boys on those slave ships. Oh man! You could just imagine, like like people would say, well, they, and the Negroes would tell me, "Well, they always been here. They was in the choir. They was in these nigga four hundred years ago, five hundred years ago on those ships. Could you imagine black men being abused by perverted or or European or white people because they accepted that in their culture? What kind of man gonna take a trip nine thousand miles on a boat without a woman?" And then when he don't have a woman, he's going to use a man. And what they did to the young boys. And the young boys over 400 years ago, that's been passed along in our culture. So, yes, we do have a history of it here in our culture. But it wasn't something that was natural to us. Now, you, you, your generation also saw nothing wrong with the, um, the, 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 the boys showing their draws. Right? And they really didn't go on a little bit further. Now they wear the pants underneath the butt part. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's, psychologically. That's our mind group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> us, us, us millennials had a little more dignity. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell y'all to bend this a sagging after he does. Don't worry about that. No, it's like that commercial. It's like the sagging getting lower. Psychologically, I'm trying to figure out what's the message. Mm-hmm. What's, what is the message? Mm. You know what I mean? It's clear that the message isn't the Europeans kiss my behind. It's how I feel inside. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So what's the message of a man showing his draws to other men and society? Then if that, that wasn't enough, the the um the um the tight the tight um tight uh look the shirt that's too short. 
too tight. You, you know what y'all wearing now. <clears throat> he said, "What y'all, Lord?" The little shirt that's too tight. You know, the shirt's smaller than the shirt. My be. shirts are fitting. Right, <laughs> they're fitting. No, not fitting. Yeah. Fitting is that designer shirt they got on TV where you just measure all the different angles, eight or nine different angles, and then they give you something to fit the constructor of your body. But the reality was, now you got the the what's that? When I was growing up, the girls used to wear this thing called. That, oh, the, the oh, oh, capris. Yeah, capris. Yeah, capris. The, girl, the girls used to wear those capris. Oh, now yeah, they got the, the Negroes wearing the capris. Yeah, I ain't gonna lie. I seen, I seen that shit. You know what I mean? I seen that. I was like, yeah. So when they followed up with Pharrell, you know what I mean? They went the blonde hair and just the feminine. You know what I mean? The you need to touch. You need to find yourself. So how we do this, y'all? Okay, this is a conversation that's never gonna end. Niggas fucked up. <laughs> like you know, I just depressed myself for two hours with this shit. <laughs> now, what's uh, what's like? What do y'all want to say to brothers, man? You know what I'm saying, brothers that are out here. Two, I need two pieces of advice. I need advice to brothers. How do we become better men? Okay, since I'm younger. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And the second piece of advice, <laughs> since you're the youngest, you shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, yes, sir. Like, yes, sir. Youngest, I would be the first one to talk, nigga. Goddamn, listen. That's why I cuz you say you gotta walk down and fuck them all. <laughs> Young nigga wanna run. <laughs> this nigga said, I had two things. He said the first one, all right, what's the something? <laughs> you don't know what to Millennials say. don't listen. I'm sorry, but we don't. Yeah, man. All right. One, how can we get better men? You know what I'm saying? And two, you know, just a word you want to say to the sisters to give them hope, not to give up on us. Do I talk now? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> sir. Let me raise my hand. Can I, I, I got give permission for the youngest? Yeah, permission. Permission. Go, <laughs> now, traditionally, the elder supposed to speak. But no, we ask for permission. We give permission to the young, the young to speak first. All right. So, my advice to men would be: be the change and the blessing for what you want to see. That's right. Like we're we're commonly critiqued and criticized and condemned publicly every day you know what i'm saying so i feel as though amongst us let's just come together as best we can and the multitudes of which we can and just try to change a lot of this narrative that has been written incorrectly about us because a lot of the misconceptions you know what i'm saying they they get blown out of proportion and then we as a people we ad- we adopt and we'll say oh yeah well brothers ain't doing this niggas ain't doing this when in reality like you said you can't say niggas ain't taking care of their kids because you don't know no niggas not taking care of their kids you know what I'm saying? So I, I just think, like I said, we should come together in these multitudes and just rewrite the narratives ourselves so that 400 years from now when the story is being told, we know it's going to change up, but at least some of our truths will be there. And advice to the sisters, uh, support us. You know, be be there for us. Be there with us. We need you. You know what I'm saying? The black woman is the most beautiful thing God has created. I, I stand firmly in that. But by the same token, as beautiful as you are, my God, you can do damage, you know. So, just just know that we just just as just as imperative as it is to have you, w- without the proper support and the proper backing from you, it can be detrimental to the black man. Yeah, I just have two things, man. Um, probably for both groups. Uh, one is, you know, everything's not for everybody, you know. So in that, brothers. You know, you got to figure out who you are and what you want. Um, 
Same thing with the sisters, who you are and what you want. Best place to look for that is in your family line. If you don't have that, choose a group that you uh, resonate with, whether it's religious or political or cultural. Um, so everything is not for everybody. And then secondly, you know, we were all made to stand out, so why waste time trying to fit in? Um, it's usually the same thing uh, where, like in this case with the definition of masculinity and for real on the cover of the magazine, we're going to see hundreds of kids and thousands of men emulate what Cam Newton doing and Dwayne Wade and now for real and, you know, everybody going to do that. Uh, but just remember, you know, you were built to stand out. So, you know, why spend time trying to look like them, try to look like you? And my daughter just won a tennis tournament this weekend in Macon. All right. Yes, yes sir. Yes, <laughs> That's yes, what's up. Sir. That's what's up. Well, you know, my, my advice is, is simply uh, research our culture. And I'm, I'm talking about our culture before the ex, uh, experience with European people. You know what I mean? If, if, we're, if we're going to be saved, it has to be in the culture. You know, they they um they are answering the question of the black woman for us now with the commercials and the TV. They're telling black women date white men, mm -hmm. right? They're telling black women um, uh, look for relationships anywhere but with a black man because they understand that there's an issue Your body is in in our community with with the relationship and the numbers. So they're going to satisfy those numbers. And they, they're not waiting to suggest. You know what I mean? So they, they, if we sit back and just say, well, okay, I saw what they did or what they said on TV and the radio and blah, 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 blah. And then we don't, you know, attempt to counter it. You know what I mean? And the, the, the people, our problem for the most part too, Brother Eldridge, the people with money don't put money behind our message like, like the, the gay community, you know what I mean? They put money behind an idea and they push it until they get what they want. You know what I mean? The, everybody knows historically that the fashion industry was taken over by homosexuals and majorly influenced by homosexuals. They, they, they brag about it. So, and they take that industry and then they put it on us. You know what I mean? So, you know, my advice is let's just look back do a little research on our culture and, and see the safeguards that were placed in our culture to protect us from this day. You know what I mean? And if, and if we do that, I think we'll be fine. If we stay on the path that we're going, reality-wise, um, how can I say it? And I'll say this and, and I'll shut up. In the 70s, and, and you might disagree or agree with me. In the 70s, late 70s, when the crack epidemic hit, the music industry became, black music industry became heavily influenced by the drug boys. Right? Right. So the drug boys needed a way to move their money. So they got involved in the music industry. And from the music industry, they uh, bought their culture. 
And their culture is the culture we praise today. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? The, 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 the style of dance changed from just dance to club dancing because that was their culture. And they put their culture in the music. They put their culture in the videos. They put their culture in the, in the movies and the message, right? So we, I'm, what all I'm saying is we can see where this stuff come from. This is not like it, it, this is not something that's destiny for us. This is something that was structured that was implemented and that was planned. And they became the major influence in our culture till the good girls want to be accepted. So they began to do what the bad girls did. The good boys, right? Yep. Wanted to now be hard right. when they just didn't want to be a guy. Right. 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 So all I'm saying is that this stuff needs to be looked at and scholars and scientists among us need to point it out and address it and put it in the public and at least give the public a choice to see and then they could do what they want to do there's no compulsion in anything i believe that firmly in, in religion we're taught in islam there's no compulsion you can't force people to do nothing but you do have an obligation to share a message with them absolutely i love it i love it first of all let me say this uh brothers i appreciate all y'all for coming on taking the time to be on the just as podcast i don't take that lightly Cause I do hang around some very busy, important people. With y'all got lives, and we recording on a Sunday, so y'all could be doing anything right now. And brother Jahad, you a real football man, so <laughs> it's a big deal that you here right now. Uh, so thank y'all. Uh, my advice to brothers, um, what I would give is invest. I want you to invest in three relationships, heavily invest in them. A relationship with a mentor. Someone that can give you guidance, advice, insight, a relationship with a peer, someone that can mutually respect you and hold you accountable, and then a relationship with a mentee, someone that you can pour into. And I believe if we do a good job of maintaining a healthy balance of those three relationships, we would definitely see a shift in our community. And that's one thing that I've tried to do and live by in my personal life. And I feel like it is a big part of my success. Um, to the sisters, you know, my advice to y'all not to give up on us, man. Let a black man love you. Mm. Just let a black man love on you. You you heard it. We just admit it. It's a lot of things we got to get right. We got to, you know, get our dick under control. You know, we got to stop giving oral sex. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> they all got mad at that. <laughs> like, hold on now, hold on. <laughs> I'm not, but for real. Hey, do the stats. Do the stats. And, and in Atlanta, especially, I think the the age rate among black women in Atlanta is real high. So you, you know, soon I mean, we work for Westcam. Me and Keith yeah, know. <laughs> soon your teeth gonna be falling out, and your jaws gonna have sores popping all over. I got a dentist appointment tomorrow. <laughs> nah, but for real, man, let a black man love you, and I promise you if the right black man loves you you'll begin to go to heights that you never knew existed i'm elders this is just elders podcast i thank y'all and we'll see y'all next week